Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, Big Al Clopine, CPA, and Brian Perry, CFP, CFA, continue making their way through the email inbox, answering your money questions, many of which focus on what you should do with your money. What do you do with a 401k once you've retired and you don't really need the money just yet? What do you do with 200k or 400k cash in your savings account? Is the Papa Bear portfolio a good one? How do you handle the basis in an S-corporation that you're closing down? And how should you save for retirement when you're a sole proprietor and a teacher? I'm producer Andy Last, and now's your chance to send us your questions. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Scroll down and click Ask Joe and Al on air. Now, on with the emails with Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Let's go to Deb from San Diego. Okay. Hi there. Oh, that's nice. See, I like to yeah. do a little... You know. Got some enthusiasm. <laughs> yes. It's called a role play. I'm role playing out Deb. You're pretending you're Deb right I am. now. I okay. Am. Hi there. <laughs> Hi there. Hi there. I am one of those that have the 250 grand in the 401k. I retired a couple. What are what are the what are those? What are those? Well, yeah. hey, I'm one of those. Yeah, that's I, that's. <laughs> I'm, that I'm, like, feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm I'm going to be Deb now. I'm feeling pretty good about that, Joe. Yeah, I don't know. I'm one of those. And that's is that a good those or bad those? Yeah. I think it's really good. It's great. Plus, I mean, she's got a pension too. So, 250 grand in the 401k. I retired a couple years ago with a pension. Yep. One of those lucky ones. Oh, I like how Deb just yeah. kind of like makes right. She's making it fun, and now collects Social Security. She's got money coming in from all kinds of sources. She's like Big Al, yeah. <laughs> called Big Deb. <laughs> Before retiring, I shuffled everything in the four hundred one k to the old folks' conservative level. Have not even looked at it. The company was downsizing when I retired, so gave those leaving a little pail of money, which I put in the bank. With a pension, Social Security, I own everything. House, six cars, and a motorcycle. Have no debt at all and pretty much spending my time driving one or another vehicle um, on property, three acres, planting and landscaping, and luckily have no health problems. The little pail of money has tripled since I retired. I'm now 69 years old. Should I do something with the 401k that I've just left with the company I'm not paying for any advice from the financial engines, but really don't see using it for some time. Deb. Um, well, let's talk about it. Well, first of all, congratulations, Deb. And I would like to see this three acres that you're driving six cars on yeah, a motorcycle it's, it's get, She's got to have a lot of roads on it. What is, I mean, she wakes up. She's like, she picks a car. <laughs> she gets in it. She drives I'm around. I'm going to the end of my property. <laughs> yeah. Or she jumps on the motorcycle and you're all the yeah. way around. And she has a little lunch. Yeah, right. All right. Then she yeah. comes back. She drives she, around some more. All right. So this little pail of money. She's got in the 401k. Uh, she keep it in the plan. Well, she's 69 years old. She's going to have to take required minimum distributions uh, in a few years. It could be 70 and a half or it could be 72, depending on the SECURE Act. Correct. It's 70 and a half currently. Currently. And so a year and a half or so. She's not needing the money because it looks like Social Security and pensions paying her pretty good. Yeah. She's got no debt. Um, she did everything right. I, Deb, to be honest with you, I would roll it into an IRA. Um, and why do you say that? Well, a couple of things is that, let's say if I'm taking a required distribution from an IRA, and let's say my IRA is at Fidelity, and I need to take out $10,000. 
But it sounds like she's not going to spend the ten thousand. Right. I could just transfer ten thousand dollars of XYZ stock or mutual fund into um, a brokerage account. Don't even have to sell it. I don't have to sell it. Right? Okay. If markets are volatile, I sell them. I sell shares, and I just transfer those shares yeah. into a, a brokerage account. Where if it's a four hundred one k, then I got to go to the employer. And say, hey, send me a check for ten thousand dollars for my required if it's, distribution. If it's, it's all invested, then it's, it's some gonna, things have to yeah, be sold. Yeah, it's going to come to me in okay. cash. And then, do, right. what do I do with that? Do I reinvest it, or does it sit in cash? Most people that if they've never had a brokerage account before, it's just going to sit in cash. It's not probably going to do what it should be doing if you're not spending it. Uh, another reason, I guess, you got the you know you you got your go tos. You got the full universe of. <laughs> <laughs> of investments. If I said that, you would say, "Oh, of course you're going to say that, Clopine." Right? That's well. That's I mean, that's the go-to. <laughs> <laughs> so, so explain yourself. Well, I mean, in a 401k plan, you might have 20 options. In a IRA, you have 20,000. Okay. So why is that so funny? Because every time I give an obvious answer, it's he's just so all obvious. Over me. It's just like, oh my God, can you think of something better? Well, but, but that's a good one. I mean, so I'll, <laughs> well, even, yeah, I'll, even, I'll even support you yeah. because most 401ks have a limited amount of investments. In an IRA, you can invest in anything you want to. Yeah, but the, sometimes limited is better. I agree with that. Right. Yeah, it can be more confusing. Okay, layperson question yeah. here. Does that having that full universe help you with tax loss harvesting? No, because no. it's in an IRA. Gotcha. Okay. No, but what it does, it just gives you more options. And, and what we recommend is globally diversified portfolios and low-cost index-type funds. And, and you have the full universe of those funds available in an IRA. You may or may not in your 401k. Um, downside of moving it into an IRA, I don't know. If Deb gets sued... Right, she hurt someone on her property on her motorcycle. The guy, you know, she's giving some dude a ride. He falls off. Well, gets but a concussion. In, uh, in California, you get the what the first one point three million, give or take, protected, even an IRA and, and unlimited from a four hundred one k. Now we're not attorneys, so don't take that to the bank. <laughs> but there could be ERISA protection, right? More ERISA yeah. protection, four hundred one k plans. That could be another reason versus IRAs. Um, let's see. She's over 59 and a half, so it doesn't matter, 55. She's not working. So another two reasons to keep it in the plan is that if you're 55 and separated from service, you could take the money out of a 401k plan and avoid the 10% penalty. Or if you are over 70 and a half and still contributing to the 401k plan, you do not have to take a required distribution. None of those apply to her. Yeah, you got to still be working and right. contributing. So the ERISA thing is, it, it could be a factor, may not. Um, I don't know. She's just kind of cruising around on her. I, know, I would cars. do it. I, I just make it simpler, right? right? Just because it's you control it yourself. You got an IRA. Maybe if she wants to do conversions, get some money into a Roth IRA. Uh, so then I can have a brokerage account. I have my IRA, and then I have a Roth IRA. It's all at the same custodian. I get one statement. It's clean. It's yeah. simple. It's easy. My financial plan. If I were to pass away, it's from the um, IRA 401k plan. Sometimes they don't stretch, even though the stretch IRA might be gone anyway. So. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons to keep it in and a lot of reasons to keep it out, but I think you're, we're in agreement probably just to roll it into an IRA. Yeah, that's what I do. All right. Deb, have fun with your cars and your little pail <laughs> and, of money. Hopefully and, that helps. And driving on your property. Yeah. That's That's got to be a great property. I mean, she spends I'm, I'm all guessing, day... Dri- what do you think? Hamul? She's, uh, could be. Right? Yeah. Hamul I mean, or... Maybe, uh, maybe Alpine. Lakeside. Lakeside or Alpine. Yeah. 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 Three acres. So that's you need seven, six cars and a motorcycle Ramona. to drive that. Yeah, maybe Ramona. Yeah, yeah, could be. 
She's not living in Del Mar with three acres in a. Probably not. That, that would be. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Ranch of Santa Fe. Uh, but that's uh, that's um, probably uh, might might need more than. I don't know. Three acres of ranch. I don't even think that's possible. <laughs> we got Bob from New York City. Um, now, he's writing in. Now this one I'll probably have to help you. Well, okay. Translate, but you start reading it. All right, I, I got this. Okay. Goes hi, Joe and Alan. A L I N. A L I N. Yeah. I love it, Bob. Yeah. I'm going to start calling <laughs> Alan. 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 I'm in my early 60s. Tees. <laughs> Speaking of golf. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> still full-time. I think that's still. All right. Still full-time working. My wife, part-time working and collecting Social Security benefits. We don't have any debt except monthly expenses. Combined income of about 110000 I'm planning to retire at age 67. Can you guys advise me? Where to park my $200,000 savings that is in my savings account uh, that's going to generate the most income while minimizing risk, take in consideration my modest lifestyle. I'm not planning to use that money probably for another 10 plus years. Royal follower on YouTube. That means loyal. <laughs> I, I like the royal. Yeah, like, I'd, I'd, rather have, I'd rather have royal followers yes, than loyal. I love Bob. <laughs> Robert from New York City. Um, all right, so he's got a couple hundred. He said he's got a combined income of 110. He's retiring at 67, and he's in his early 60s. Yeah, T's. So, right. What do you? Th- I mean, so let's say he's 62. He's retiring at 67. He's got five years, but he said he doesn't need that money for another 10 years. I know. And he's so fairly you, conservative. You could sort of answer this question a couple ways. I mean, one one way is if you really. Uh, concerned about safety, you put the money in a in a one year CD or something like that. You probably earn about two percent, two and a quarter, something like that. Your money's locked up, and and you can't lose any principal. But that that may not be the best answer, Joe. Bob be- wants be- more money than that, I think. Yeah, be- because he's not going to touch it for ten years. Yeah, you know, I would go into something very simple. You got two hundred thousand dollars. I would go maybe. You know, I would. I, I'm going to regret saying this, but. But maybe he does something like a target date fund, or like uh, like. Now this is surprising that you would say that. Just something. I've never heard Joe say somebody should do that. I mean, to save like and let it sit for ten years. All right, right. Not so, necess- so pretend like he needs it in ten years. So you get a target date fund that's assuming you're going to retire. I'm thinking like years. a sixty forty split, like a balanced fund. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Right. But that may be more risk than he wants to take. Maybe you flip it around, do 40% equity, 60% safety. Something like that. Because I don't think cash is the answer if, you, if you're not going to touch the money for 10 years. Well, I was, and I don't that, think 100% equity. I mean, you could go a total no, U.S. stock market index no. fund, and that's not the answer either. Well, I was basically going to say a CD until the last sentence, which, which is I don't Did need the money for 10 years. He's a royal follower on YouTube? Well, the, second, <laughs> the sentence before that. So what? He doesn't need the money for ten years. Yeah, so ten that, plus years. That sort of changes everything, right? right? Because if if you need it in a year, then yeah, get your one year CD and then you're done. But all right, so he's in his sixties. He's going to retire in sixty seven. He's making really good money. He's got a combined income of one hundred ten. I'm not sure how much he's saving though. So I would be fairly conservative with the two hundred thousand dollars. 
And then is he saving money into your 401k plan? What's what you know? What rate of return does he need? I mean, there's so much more information that we need I know. from Bob. And and the problem with the CD, Joe, is you generally will not keep up with inflation, and so that's one of the few things you can guarantee you're going to lose money, lose purchasing power in a CD. So I would agree it'd be better to have some kind of diversified portfolio that's that's pretty safe, a little bit in equity to keep ahead of inflation, maybe 20, 30, 40 percent equities, the rest in safe short-term bonds, maybe that might be a way to go. Yeah, I like that. Um, Bob, go on, you, you know, if, if you're watching our YouTube channel that we've got 4.5 million, what is it? Something like that? Views? I don't know. I haven't looked lately. Views? I think I've watched 3.9 of them. Yeah. <laughs> Most of it is you and Ruthie. Your, uh, yeah. your mom has watched My mom, it. yeah, she's That's got carpal least, tunnel from at clicking least, at least on half. our YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, but, Mash but, and like on every single video. But we have... Um, now, I can't get my mom to watch. We have videos. I'm talking to Bob here. We have <laughs> videos, Bob, that you can... It kind of shows you how to calculate like your number, right? How much money are you spending now? What is your fixed income source when you decide to retire? What's the shortfall? And then that tells you, all right, are you on track? How much money do you need? I would start going through those types of exercises and if you have the amount of assets that you need to provide yourself with a retirement lifestyle, then that's where you start going into how should you invest it. Um, so if you're short, right, you probably have to work a little bit longer, and you might have to take on a little bit more risk in the portfolio, try to get a little bit higher expected rate of return over the next 10 years. If you're right on track, then why take the risk? Then you can go somewhat conservative. You know, So there's going to be some variables here, but... Um, I wish I could help them out more, but I, I just don't have enough info. 14 and a half million minutes watched. 14 and a half million. 3 million, million views and 10,700 subscribers. Oh. And we thank you, each and every one of you. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if that's a lot or a little, but it's something. For personal finance, I'd say it's pretty good. Thank you, Bob, for being one of those 10,700 subscribers to our YouTube channel. I've linked to some of the relevant videos that Joe just mentioned in the show notes for today's episode at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. It's easy to get there. Just click the link in the description of this episode in your podcast app. It'll take you right to the show notes. You'll see all the relevant links, including the link to subscribe to us on YouTube, for those of you that haven't already, as well as the transcript of this episode. You can also download free financial resources like Big Al's Quick Retirement Calculator guide and the retirement lifestyles guide deb's retirement lifestyle which is zooming around her acreage isn't in the lifestyles guide but it sounds like it probably should be we've got another what should i do with my money question this one is from Vern in the 2019 ymyw podcast survey and we're joined by pure financial advisors executive vice president and director of research brian perry cfp to help us answer it Vern says what is the best mixed portfolio for someone 72 and retired with 400000 plus to mix. And Verm would also like advice for living on a limited portfolio in retirement. Now, I know, I, I already know you're going to say we don't have enough information. We don't. So, Brian, what, what else do we need here? Um, well, how much income he needs on an annual basis from that portfolio would probably be the most important piece of information. Um, you could back into that with things like what are his expenses, what kind of fixed income does he have coming in. But ultimately, it's how much does he need to draw down that portfolio each year, uh, we could work off the assumption he has normal life expectancy, so we'd probably assume mid-90s, I mean, just as a starting point, right? But how much money does he need each year? And then we could reverse engineer it to figure out what how it should be invested in order to generate that income. 
Yeah, and I think that here's how you kind of think about it. And I guess if you go to my, um, what's that called, the calculator? The Big Al's Quick Retirement yeah. Calculator it, Guide. It will answer this question, but I'm going to give you a little preview. And that's in so, the white paper section of the website perfect, at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Perfect. perfect. So at any rate, here's, here's how to think about it is take a look at, first of all, what you want to spend or what you are spending. Uh, in this case, Vern, you're 72. I don't know if you're retired or not. You may be, but. Yeah, he says he's retired. Oh, he does? 72 and retired. Oh, he does. <laughs> it's a short question, Al. <laughs> I've, I've, it's been so long since you read it. Anyway, um, so retired and 72. So the, so the first question is how much are you spending or how much do you want to spend in your retirement per year? And then you subtract out your fixed income. So that could be Social Security. Pensions. It could be pensions. It could be rental income from rental properties. And let's say you want to spend, I just real simple uh, example, you want to spend... You know, I don't know, $100,000, and you got $60,000 of fixed income. So you need $40,000 from your investments. And then you take a look at your investments, and, you know, the, you, you have a – so in this case, if you want to spend $40,000, the safe distribution rate's 4%. So you divide that into 4%, or, or take 40000 multiply it by 25. You get the same number. So you need about a million dollars. And if you need about a million dollars, then we can tell you what your portfolio should be. In this case – we, what we know is, Vern, you have $400,000 to work with. We don't know how much that you need. And that's what you said right off the bat, Brian, is we need to know how much that you need. If you need $40,000 a year on 400000 we would say that's probably not sustainable unless you have a shortened life expectancy. So we would probably say maybe more realistically on $400,000, then maybe that's $16,000, something like that, that you could generate on a year-in, year-out basis. Yeah, you know, and uh, it being in his early 70s, I mean, maybe you could push that to 5%, right? I mean, it, it cuts it a little bit closer where if you get in a bad market, maybe he runs out of money. But, you know, so fifteen dollars to $20,000 a year is probably what that could generate. And, you know, if that's the case, I think the one thing he needs to keep in mind is some of that money is for age 72, 73, 74, and some is for 83, 84. And so I think a lot of times the temptation is to go one of two directions where you get too conservative with the money and forget that you've got a longer time horizon for some of the dollars. And then the flip side is some people, if they feel like they maybe haven't quite saved enough for retirement, they get overly aggressive and figure that they need to double their money to make it through retirement. And the truth lies somewhere in the middle, of course. So let's just say he needs fifteen to 20000 What would you tell him? What, what should the investments be? You know, again, assuming he's got uh, normal life expectancy, I mean, probably some sort of balanced mix. I mean, off the cuff, without knowing him and his risk tolerance, I would say somewhere in the vicinity of 50% safe assets like high-quality bonds and cash, and then 50% growth assets like stocks, natural resources, and the like, you know, plus or minus 10% on either of those, depending on his risk tolerance, probably makes sense. And that gives him a nice balance. I mean, figure if he's 50-50, he's got $200,000 in bonds, and that's, I don't know, 10 years of spending. So if the market stock market falls, he's got 10 years he could draw the bond money down before he's got to worry about the stocks. And then at the same time, he's got a couple hundred thousand dollars in stocks growing and hopefully keeping pace with inflation for the future. How about the old rule of uh, 100,000 minus or 100, 100 minus your age? That's how much you should have in stocks. So if that's the case, 28 percent in stocks. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've never been a big fan of that because um, for a couple of reasons. One is I think they came up with that rule when the average person probably lived till about 70. Um, right. You know, and the, and the other thing is everybody's situation is different. Right. And so I, I think that that's based on a lot of factors, including the fact that when the rule was calculated, in addition to shorter life expectancy, interest rates were at five, six, seven percent. 
you know, this would be a different situation if he could invest $200,000, $300,000 in bonds and clip 6% coupons. But those days aren't here at this point. And so if his bonds are only getting 2 or 3%, he needs to get some returns from stocks. And, you know, I don't know his particular risk tolerance, but investing only 20 or 30% of his money in stocks might leave him running out of money or at least losing pace to inflation later on in life. Yeah, agreed. All right. Wes, from the unincorporated... Gwinnett County. Gwinnett County, Georgia. Come on, you lived in Atlanta. You don't know Gwinnett County? I do not know Gwinnett County. <sighs> well, Wes is going to tell you. Read on. All right. And it's trust it, dear Andy. Well, so she can answer this question. All right. <laughs> I love the podcast. Ever since I stumbled across it a little over a year ago, I enjoy listening to the show while exercising. Hopefully you're exercising right now, Wes, and start pumping some... I was going to say something. I'm fine. I'm relaxed. Wow. Calm down. Uh, that way, both my mind and body get a workout. Please ask the boys who you so... Adeptly corral oh. into an entertaining podcast. Thank you. Adeptly. No wonder why I wrote it to you, Andy, because I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a buy and holder. However, lately I've been intrigued by the siren song of mechanical investing. I know Paul Merriman uses mechanical investing for a portion of his overall portfolio. What are your thoughts on the Papa Bear portfolio? I got it right here. All right. Muscular portfolios, Ben Bella Books, 2018. The strategy is a clone of a 2013 white paper by Meb Faber. We've had Meb on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know his real name was... Mebane. Mebane. Yeah. Was from unincorporated Gwinnett County, Georgia. Note, the county is named after Button Gwinnett. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, signed uh, of the, the Declaration of Independence. Little is known about Button, and no painting of him exists because he was killed in a duel. P.S. Oh, P.S. If a podcast is uploaded to the internet, but no one listens to it, does it make a sound? I hope YMYW never has to find out. I love Wes. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's a great question. Let me, All right. And it's got stories. It's got everything you want, Joe. This is, yes. Thank you, Wes. Papa Bear portfolio. Yeah. So let me explain what that is, and then you can say whether you like it or not. All right. I like Meb Faber, so I'm going to probably say yes, I do like it. So the Papa Bear is designed to, number one, keep losses small yep. during bear markets. Number two, underperform the S&P 500 with less volatility during bull markets. And three, wind up with superior performance over each complete bear bull market cycle. Okay. So it is a bit of a market timing strategy. And, and here's how it works. So there's, um, oh, let's see, 15, 13 different asset classes from stocks and different kinds of stocks, large companies, small company, international emerging markets. There is uh, real estate, there's bonds, there's gold, corporate bonds, government bonds, commodities. So all these are ranked. And so here's what you do. Each you, you pick a consistent day each month, like let's say the 15th of each month, and that's when you look at your portfolio. Or actually, that's when you look at these 13 different categories, and you rank them uh, by an average of their 3, 6th, and 12-month gain. Okay, And you take the top three. 
and you make sure that all of your assets are in that portfolio. So, just so those three asset just, classes just, of so the So once 13? a month, just, you're actually... Just those three. Once so, a month, you're moving things around. Correct. So in this example, and this says it was updated as of September 12th. I guess this is an interactive web page that I just downloaded. But the three winners were U.S. Treasury bonds, 30-year gold, and U.S. high-quality corporate bonds, hmm. which had... 19.8%, 17.3%, and 13.7%. So he says, invest a third, a third, a third. It's, it's basically a momentum strategy yep. is what it is. And, and so the idea there is things that go up tend to go up for a little bit while longer. Right? Yeah, for a short period of time. For a short period of time. Yep. Yeah, so um, anyway, that's the idea. And, and then the idea is that whatever's doing best in the, in the last, on the three-month, six-month, 12-month average, and I guess you just average those numbers all together, and you get the three best, and, and that's what you put your portfolio into. Hmm. Now, one, one problem right off the bat is you would create a lot of short-term Gains. gains, which it's not tax efficient at all. A bunch of trading costs. So, and a bunch of trading costs. So, this would, if you like this strategy, it would, would would work better in an IRA or a Roth where you don't have current taxation. Yeah. But what what do you think of the strategy? Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I'm just I would I'm surprised that Treasuries gold, or no long term bonds gold and. Commodities? What were the well, top the, three? Yeah, the, yeah, treasury bonds, gold, and high-quality corporate bonds. The last three months, they've just gone through the roof. And why is that, do you think? Because interest rates went down a little bit. Right. And, yep. And flight to quality and... Correct, and nervousness in the market and yep. all that. Yep. Uh-huh. yep. Taking chips off the table and... Yep. So I didn't know it would be those three. Yeah, but the, it, it doesn't <laughs> matter which three. But well, so. you know, you're right now. Yeah. You're some people. You know, we're already in the recession. Yeah. So you might might as well you know get defensive. Right. So. So so that way you're always just picking the three best. Yeah. And and going for a little momentum, and next month you, you re- recalibrate. I I mean I think it's interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to back test this and see how it really works. Right. Because I, I don't. I'm know. sure Mev has back tested it somewhere, but yeah. then you can data mine it. You I, know. I know. You right? know what I mean? There's right. so many different manipulative ways. Yes. To show that it's going to. Um, Outperform because you can pick certain dates. You can and, certain and dates. Show, show that it actually worked. Yes. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Uh, Wes, I don't know. Why don't you try it? Why don't you be our guinea pig? <laughs> and then in, in in a couple years, tell us how it went. Yeah. You know, let's let's start this thing um, because uh, I don't think I would ever do that. So, and, so, but I think it's interesting, and I respect Meb Faber. Yeah. So, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with what you just said. I don't think I would do it. I I think it's better to have a globally diversified portfolio long term, rebalance, tax last harvest, and stay invested. Right. That's that's what that's what I think is a more prudent way to go, and that that's based upon all kinds of academic research over the last fifty to seventy years. Yeah, but the last ten years, it's not been great, Al. Well, the last five years in particular is not. Uh, I bet the Papa Bears kicked your portfolio's ass. Probably, yeah. But I, I think you have to have a longer time horizon than five years. How, however, it's an interesting idea because there is some truth to momentum. Then momentum, things that go momentum's up. Momentum is an academic study, yeah, right? Mo- things that go up tend to go up for a little bit longer. So there's, yeah, it's a super interesting idea. Um, yeah, well, I, I think you should try it. And then let's let's do it from now, and for the, and then just check in with us. Yeah, reconvene. Yeah, from time to time. Just give us give us your results once a month, 
And then um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Maybe just do a small portion of your portfolio. Thank you. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, that's We'll keep be. a small portion of your portfolio on a globally diversified and then just gamble everything else on the Papa Bear. He's yeah. kidding. Do it the other way. <laughs> Check today's podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to listen to Joe and Big Al's interview with the one and only Meb Faber. And definitely make sure that you're subscribed to the YMYW podcast so you don't miss next week's episode. At FinCon, I was lucky enough to catch up with previous YMYW guest Chris Manula from caniretireyet.com, along with Brad Barrett and Jonathan Mendonca of the wildly popular Choose FI podcast. They told me all about their upcoming book, Choose FI, Your Blueprint for Financial Independence. If you missed Chris's inspiring story of retiring at the age of 41 when he told it on YMYW, check that out in preparation for next week's show. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app, and you'll see everything you need right there in the show notes right before the episode transcript. Okay, we got Mike. No location given. Mike, we got rules here at Your Money, Your Wealth. We must, need to know where you're from. We must know where And if you don't from. tell us, we're going to make it up. Yeah, because we like to go, oh, have you ever been there? And then everyone goes, no, never been. And I'll be like, where, where's that again? <laughs> where's yeah, Connecticut? Gotta, where's look Connecticut? It, we have to look it up on a map. Yeah. Andy, look it up for me. Um, but this one's for Al. So, Mike, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to give him a pass, huh? I have $322,000 of some basis in my S-Corp. It's closing it down soon. How do I handle this? Uh, Mike, that's a, that's a great question. So let me explain what that means, I guess, in the first place. So, so when you set up an S corporation, it's, that's a special kind of corporation that the income and losses actually flow through to the individual owner or owners, if there's more than one. And so when you set up the corporation, you typically put some money in the corporation and, and, and in exchange for common stock. Right? So you, you put $5,000 in and you get some common stock so you own the company or 10000 or whatever the number is. So that's one way to get basis. Another way to get basis is maybe first year the company runs out of money. You've got to loan the money, some money to the company. So you, you write them a loan. So that would be another way to get basis. And then another one might just simply be there's, there's profits that haven't been paid out. I'm going to assume the way this is written if you're closing down the company, I'm, I'm going to make the assumption that there's there's no assets. I'll, I'll make that assumption because I think what he's asking about is well, actually, let me let me backtrack one second. If there are assets, then you just pay them back, and there's no tax consequence because you you have tax basis, right? There's no 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 harm, no foul. In the case where uh, you have tax basis in the company, but the assets are depleted because the company was not successful, which happens. Four out of five times, within a wouldn't that within be a, a short, loss? short period of time. So there's two potential kinds of losses. So if it's stock, it's generally considered to be a capital loss, with one exception, hmm. and that's Section 1244 stock. Ooh, How about 12, that? Huh? 12, yeah, tw- 1244 stock. 1244 stock allows you to write off up to fifty thousand dollars of your stock loss, or a hundred thousand if you're married, as ordinary deduction. So not a capital loss deduction, which is only good against capital income, but as an ordinary loss. So if it's stock basis, then you could write off, if you're married, up to 100000 50000 if you're not. The rest, by the way, would be a capital loss, and you can only use that against capital gains. So what's a 1244? I mean, that's how they issue. So any company could have 1244 stock. Well, it's just how it's issued. 
or how the owner established the S Corp to begin with and how well, it was issued? Or I'm what? glad you asked. To qualify as Section 1244 stock, the company's equity um, may not exceed a million dollars at the time where the stock was issued, which is generally true in most small businesses. Uh, the stock must be issued for money or property, not stock and securities. And number three, for five years preceding the loss, the, the corporation must have generally derived more than half of their gross receipts from business operations, not passive loss from stock portfolio or real estate portfolio. So if, you, if, those, uh, if all th- those three, three things are true, you can take this Section 1244 loss. It's a, it's a one-time thing. Okay, so that's if it's stock basis. If it's debt, in other words, you loan money to the company, then it's simply going to be a, a bad debt from the company, and it would be either business bad debt or non-business bad debt. If it's business bad debt, it's an ordinary deduction. If it's non-business bad debt, it's a capital loss. So you're always trying to make it business bad debt. And typically, if, if it's a small business and you're the main, maybe you're the only employee and you're the one doing all the work, you could say, well, I loan this money to the company so I could pay myself a salary. And in that case, it, it could qualify as business bad debt. That's a, that's a little tricky, though, because the IRS doesn't really like that categorization because you get a big ordinary loss deduction. But that's what I would look at is, can you call this business bad debt versus non-business bad debt? So that's your answer. So assuming that he says it's, I'm closing it down soon, um, the assumption is is that his basis is $322,000, but the business is worth less than that because he's shutting her down. Yeah, no that, one's going to buy it for more than that. Yeah, that's that's what I'm guessing. So the, the, the assumption that we're making is that it's worth less. It's worth nothing. It's worth nothing. So, so now if so the, how if do the, I take this loss? If the company, I'll, I'll say it another way. If the company has fifty thousand dollars in its checking account, and that's all it has. Then pay the fifty thousand dollars back to yourself. Now your basis is fifty thousand dollars less, right? And the remaining deduction of around two hundred seventy-two thousand is your loss. Right. And then it's a it's a stock loss or a bad debt loss, depending upon if it was issued for stock or for debt in the company. But if he's got a million dollars sitting in cash, so how would that work? Well, that's a good question. So in that particular case, then the first 322000 is tax-free and the rest is capital gain. Yeah, great question. All right. Hopefully that uh, answers your question, Mike, from who cares where the hell you live. Wow, you're getting kind of rude at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. That's what you wrote, Andy. No, I said no location given, oh, Joe. I'm sorry. You were supposed to make something interesting up. Oh, I, I just did. Not jerky. <laughs> yeah, beef jerky. Next one up is from Christy in Seattle. She says, hello, Andy, Joe, and Big Al. This time I got first billing. You did. How about that? I'm last on this one. <laughs> you kindly, and Brian's not Brian's even anywhere in the, yeah. in the, yeah. You kindly answered my question about Roth solo 401ks and gave me props for my solo 401k knowledge a while back. Thanks for that. A follow-up. I have a solo traditional 401k and a solo Roth 401k for my sole proprietor business. I also have a 403b with a teaching position. I'll be able to contribute the maximum employee contribution of $19,000 this year, which I gather is the limit between those two types of plans. My questions. If I contributed most of the 19000 in employee contributions to the 403B, could I add more to the solo 401k as an employer? Should I stop there? Or do you want to keep going? Uh, we can stop there. Okay. So let's let's talk about the, uh, the 401k versus the 403B. So the 401k is typically 
a retirement plan for a private company business or maybe your own business. And, and in this case, it's Christie's own business, hence the, the word solo. 401k. So it's $19,000. Unless you're 50 and older, then it's $25,000. There's an extra $6,000. But uh, $19,000 is the amount. Unfortunately, though, the 403b, which is a similar kind of type plan for, um, for a governmental or, or maybe, a, maybe a school, uh, it's 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 aligned with the 401k. So you can't if you if you put nineteen thousand dollars into your 403b, you cannot put nineteen thousand into 401k. Those two get added together. Mm-hmm. But what you can do, Christy, is you can set up a. If, let's say you maxed out the your um, your 403b already at work. You can set up a SEP IRA, Simplified Employer Pension Plan, which has the same computation as the employer portion of a 401k or a solo 401k and you can base and it's a simpler plan that's why I'm suggesting to set that up and you can do that after the fact you can actually fund that all the way to the filing date of your of your return which would either be April 15th or if you get an extension it's all the way to October 15th yeah so that would probably be the way to go there do a SEP IRA for the business she says can you make a larger employer contribution to the 401k than the employee contribution or does the employer contribution have to match contributions you make as an employee also, I can only contribute up as the employer up to 25% of earnings. Does that include the deduction of the employee contribution or not? <laughs> okay, so let's stop there. So, so actually, um, this might be NA because I just told you you can't do yeah. it. But just, just for your own purposes, uh, yeah, the, the match, it doesn't have to be a match. It can be a profit-sharing component, so it could be quite a bit more. So the way the way that those are computed is when it's a when it's a corporation it's 25% of your salary when it's a sole proprietorship it's 20% of your net profit that's how they figure out how much to do so $100,000 of profit you can put about $20,000 into the SEP IRA it's not quite that simple there's some other limitations of course it there are <laughs> comes out to about 18,500 to be honest but I won't really get into why but just just realize yeah and and if you've only contributed $3,000 for your own account. That doesn't matter. Now, she also says it's her understanding that employer contributions have to go into the traditional, not the Roth. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. So and when you have, like, like, let's say you have a Roth, a, a Roth 401, or a 401k that has a Roth component, mm-hmm. so you can do either. So if you as an employee want to put it into the Roth, which is fine, you don't get a tax deduction, but it grows tax-free, the employer has to do it in the, in the traditional because side it's of it. Because it's pre-tax. Because it's pre-tax. They're getting a tax deduction. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I would throw in one more consideration for Christy is that a lot of, <clears throat> she mentions the 403B plan. A lot of times those are loaded, those plans with high commission kind of lousy products. And so she might want to take a look at what options are available in her 403B. And that could be a deciding factor, too, on where she contributes, whether it's uh, to a solo 401K or SEP or to the um, 403B plan is what options are available. Um, a lot of times those 403B plans are kind of buyer beware with some of the products in there. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and if that's the case, then maybe you don't want to contribute much to them because you don't tend to get a match on those types of plans. It's just your own money. And if you can do better with your own solo 401k, if, if you have enough profit to be able to utilize that, then maybe that is maybe that is a better way to go. And I have to say she also ends with thanks again to all of you for a delightfully informative show. Thank you, Christy. Well, That's Christy, so awesome. uh, as last time, this was a great question, and keep them coming because uh, I can. You're, you're kind of like one of our most valuable <laughs> questioners. <laughs> there you go, Alan. Um, we had a couple comments come in through the email bag. <laughs> yeah, we did. We can bust through those real quick. Okay. Uh, we got William from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, he sent a nice little letter to Andy. 
Ms. Last. <laughs> Ms. Last. Hi. What's up, William? Um, <laughs> this is just a quick additional follow-up uh, to the listener's question about finding online resources for uh, creating an individual IPS. So I believe William might work at Morningstar. His Morningstar is in Chicago. Yeah, and he's from Chicago, and he and then, gave us... Or unless he just hangs out at Morningstar. And um, we, got, we got four links from Morningstar. Yeah, four links. So did, did did we send this to the person that... Actually, he called. He left us a voicemail, and he so I don't have a way to send him that information. So I'm actually going to put it in the show notes. Oh, the guy the that, that, that asked about the IPS. And he, he asked he, me and my two associates to talk about this issue. Got it. Got so it. I'll put it in the show notes for that episode so that yep. he can access those links. So do you remember the guy's name? It was Jeff from Reading. Jeff from Reading was very curious about an investment policy statement. Um, so William from Chicago is just helping out our little community here. Yeah. Um, so how to create an investment policy statement and then making your investment policy statement. A couple articles there from Morningstar, uh, investment policy statement worksheet, a little PDF for you. And then note that in addition to those IPS resources, uh, they also have an interesting template for creating a retirement policy statement. So. Uh, thank you, William from Chicago. So we'll make all of those resources available. Uh, we're stealing them from Morningstar and putting them on our website. Well, we're and just... he also said thanks for the great podcast and the work you all do. Oh, well, oh, that's you. that's nice. That's and nice. and so another way to say that is you guys didn't answer that question very well. Yeah, so let, let, me, let me give you some links. Right, we had Christine Bentz on the show. You did. I've been trying to get her. She's been ignoring me. So what'd you say to her? I said, Hey, Christine, you want to come on the show? She's like, Absolutely. <laughs> Interesting. Say hey, I'm Miss Last. <laughs> well, know, I think she, I mean they've, they've got their own podcast now, so you know she may be too busy. That's it for us today. Thanks for listening for Big Al Clopa, and I'm Joe Anderson. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll see you next time. I've got a couple of derails for you this week. Stick around to the end of the episode if you're into that sort of thing. Thanks once again to Brian Perry, CFP, CFA from Pure Financial Advisors for helping to answer some more of your money questions. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Scroll down and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send in yours. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Get a no-cost, no-obligation, free two-meeting financial assessment with a certified financial planner by clicking the free assessment button at Your Money, Your wealth.com. You don't even have to be local to Southern California. They can conduct face-to-face meetings with you online. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Uh, just send us a voice recording. That's a lot of fun, even though I think four people have done it in, in, in its entirety. A lot of emails, though. Yeah, a lot of emails. I think people are, I don't know, it's just less intimidating to write an email maybe than to record something because yeah. we, were, we don't like the sound of our own voice. Right. And I don't like the sound of yours. Yeah, well, well uh, yeah, and I don't like yours or mine. <laughs> I like Andy's, though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think both of you sound great. The only problem is you talk over each other too much. That's perfect. Well, I think people say they like that, except the ones that don't. The transcribers don't. <laughs> the transcribers don't. Well, there's like Hi, one Mom. of those, and all kinds of all kinds of listeners are a handful. I'm not really sure. Uh, we're taking your money questions today. Got a lot of emails. Just getting caught back up. Al, you were 
You were gone somewhere, weren't you? Andy was gone. I was at FinCon. That's where it was. I Andy was, was gone. I was when working. I'm not here, the whole world stops. It's because why am I I was in Minnesota yeah. for a week. Yeah, and how was that trip? It was Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, so. So you, you, were, you were, well, you were, you stayed on a lake, right? That's for just a couple, couple of days. days. Yeah. yeah. That, that, was that fun? Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. You yeah. played a bit of golf? I did. How's, how's the golf game going these days? It's uh, not as well as it should be. Mm-hmm. If I calculated every dollar I spent on golf <laughs> and equated that to my handicap, it would be very embarrassing ratio. Yeah. So. Well, mine's worse because I can't even calculate. It's I've got an infinite ratio. <laughs> It, so. And if I throw in golf balls lost, oh. it's that it's something else. <laughs> Wait. I'm a little punch drunk today. I'm a little tired. Yeah, I've been kind of going burning the. And we have. I got we, some stalker after me. Yeah, we ha- we haven't done this for a while too. Right. You Do, have a stalker? Yeah. This crazy. Do dude. tell. Yeah, this guy was said it, it's just absurd. He's calling me, saying that I was part of a deal that he was in that he lost two hundred thousand. And I have no idea. I was nowhere near a deal with this dude. And, yeah. Wow. So. So, but I, I was pleasantly surprised to actually see you here this morning. Yes, I was too. Yeah. I had a higher bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to set up a safe room for, I the, am. for the weekend? A little safe room for the yeah. weekend. Okay. Because he goes, yeah, he hears Harleys and he cringes because they're after him. But they're not after him anymore. They're after me. It's, it was a kooky phone call. <laughs> Quite a story you get there, Joe. Yeah, you know, it's just the day did in you, life. Did you make this up because you're, like, bored? No, that's, no. I, okay. I vouch. It was, it's a real call wow. you got yesterday. You can did ask, I make it up because I'm bored? I, you, you can ask. Just wanting to come up with something exciting for the show? I don't know. You, you can ask Robin to verify it. Yes. No, it's crazy.